Welcome to Nathan Out Loud. I'm Nathan Trainer, and my pronouns are he, him, his. It's been about eight years since the last episode of Nathan Out Loud, so why am I bringing it back? First off, let me start by saying that this will probably be one of the most difficult episodes that I have or will ever record, and I'm feeling incredibly vulnerable as I actually start recording it. I have to warn you, this episode is not going to be as light and cheery as the previous episodes. What a way to start off season two, right? I will be challenging religious and political views in pretty stark terms, but this is necessary for me to speak my truth and use my voice. Consequences be damned. I truly hope that those who have experienced the same struggle and suffering will feel less alone or isolated. I also hope that I can open the hearts and minds of those who are members of the organizations I discuss or hold the same beliefs. I don't say this to cause pain. I say it so that I can start to heal the deep wounds inflicted by religion and harmful politics. So, back to why Nathan Out Loud is back. This is something I have thought a lot about, and there are a number of reasons why I wanted to relaunch the podcast. Over the past four years, I have felt like I've been internalizing the fraught times that the current political climate has brought upon the LGBTQ community, most specifically transgender people. As I was considering relaunching Nathan Out Loud, I had a thought that I have silenced myself. I took away my own voice, and I have a platform to share stories and to expose people to the inequity that our community experiences. I have felt that I have not been doing enough to speak out against inequality and to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. There was a point several weeks ago during an exchange with members of my family about the Black Lives Matter movement, protests, and systemic racism when I decided I could no longer be silent and started to push back on harmful, hurtful, and inaccurate information. The repercussions were surprising. It reminded me how fragile the security some people feel is when their belief system is challenged. I have to say, I feel like I'm living in an upside-down world where a vocal minority considers people who are against fascists and those who are protesting against racial inequality and for social justice are terrorists, and those who are anti-mask, conspiracy theorists, and white supremacists are patriots and very fine people. I have been thinking a lot about how I can most effectively communicate two specific feelings that I have experienced for most of my life because of the religion to which my family belongs and the political party and elected officials that they support. Alienation and Gaslighting As I have mentioned before, I grew up in a Mormon family who is also Republican. Most of my family is still very devout, and they also align with the Republican Party. Aside from the marriage equality battle, most specifically Prop 8 in California in 2008, I have very rarely directly challenged the political beliefs or affiliations of my family and friends. There have been a couple of times where I brought it up, but as somebody who does not want to rock the boat or make anyone feel uncomfortable, I have never really called out the harm and damage that both the Mormon Church and the Republican Party have done and continue to do to the LGBTQ community. I've recently recognized within myself a pretty significant level of resentment because I have kept it in and internalized it for so long. I have seen it as my problem, and in a sense, I felt like it was my fault for being gay, because if I wasn't, then there wouldn't be anything to talk about. But I didn't choose to be gay, and they do choose to be members of the church and party. To be honest, this isn't the first time I've thought about this. 
It has been a frequent topic in therapy sessions, but I always find some way to justify it and put it back in a box and push it way back in my mind and down in my gut, but I can't do that any longer. It has harmed my mental and physical health, as well as my relationships. First, I want to talk about alienation, which is defined as a state or experience of being isolated from a group or an activity to which one should belong or in which one should be involved. Ever since I stopped being active in the church, I have felt a sense of alienation from some of my family, as I have not been able to participate in some of the most meaningful times in their lives. From not being able to witness them getting married, to feeling like an outsider when it comes to their shared experiences around their religion, it can be a pretty lonely and isolating experience. On top of that, I have been reluctant to include members of my family in important and meaningful experiences that I have had, out of fear of rejection or in an effort to protect them from being uncomfortable because of their religious or political views. I've spent a lot of time thinking about gaslighting because of the current political climate, and especially since reading an article that was published on Out.com last September called The Mormon Church is Gaslighting the LGBTQ Plus Community. The author of that piece, Kat Kellermeyer, will be joining me on a future episode of Nathan Out Loud, and I really look forward to discussing the article with them. But in the meantime... I'm going to talk about my experience and why that article struck a chord with me. First off, what is gaslighting? The dictionary defines it like this. To manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. Let me start by saying, I honestly don't think the gaslighting is an intentional or conscious act, but it is a consequence of the conflict between unequivocal conviction and the reality of an ever-changing world. Then again, maybe I'm continuing to try to justify it. There is a good article on psychology today called 11 Warning Signs of Gaslighting that breaks it down even further. A few of the points that stood out to me from that article are number three, which is they use what is near and dear to you as ammunition. In my case, it has always been my family, and the thought of not having my family in my life has always been a deterrent for me to speak out. Number five is their actions don't match their words. And number six is they throw in positive reinforcement to confuse you. Those go kind of hand in hand for me. My family has always communicated their love for me and say that no matter what the church says, they support me. There was also an occasion when my mom and sisters attended a human rights campaign gala that I co-chaired to show their support for me. I honestly don't think they were insincere in their support for me personally, But they continue to go to church, continue to pay their 10% tithing, and go on and send their children on missions to convert people to a religion that teaches that I am a sinner, an apostate, and someone who, unless I miraculously change who I am and who I love, won't be admitted into the level of heaven that they are striving to achieve in the afterlife. But it goes beyond this. The Mormon Church and the Republican Party have made marginalizing LGBTQ people and others their rallying cry. In 1995, the church released The Family, a proclamation to the world. The first paragraph of that reads, We, the First Presidency and the Council of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, solemnly proclaim that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God and that the family is central to the Creator's plan for the eternal destiny of His children. It continues, quote, All human beings, male and female, are created in the image of God. Each 
is a beloved spirit, son, or daughter of heavenly parents, and as such, each has a divine nature and destiny. Gender is an essential characteristic of individual, premortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. It goes on from there, but I think you get the idea. This document still hangs on the walls of the homes of people within my own family. For the longest time, I would say that my issue isn't with Mormons, but with the Mormon church. But now I realize that I have been letting too many people off the hook for far too long. Don't get me wrong, a vast majority of Mormons are good and earnest people, and I love my family with all my heart. The paradox is that despite the constant assertions of love and support, I walk into homes and see anti-LGBT doctrine hanging on the wall. I also know that every Sunday they take their children to church who will hear others say that there is something wrong with me or that I have chosen to be gay and that if they pray hard enough, maybe I can be saved. I know that they are giving the church 10% tithing, which funds anti-LGBT programs and doctrine, and they do missionary work and spread the anti-LGBT teachings of the church, maybe not directly repeating the doctrine, but merely introducing people to the church and implicitly supporting it. I do recognize that there have been some small steps that the LDS church has taken to ease some of the anti-LGBTQ stances including supporting non-discrimination legislation in Utah in 2015. In 2019, the church rolled back a 2015 directive that blocked minor children whose parents are in same-sex marriages from getting baptized and labeled LGBTQ Mormons in same-sex marriages apostates. Instead of being called apostates, they are now merely considered to be engaged in, quote, serious transgression. However, this demonizing and humiliating language is harmful. It causes significant pain to those who are members of the LGBTQ community, and it needs to stop. Don't get me wrong, this is not unique to the Mormon Church, and there are a number of courageous members of the Church who are vocal in their opposition to the Church's anti-LGBTQ doctrine. The problem is that while there are members who are opposed to these teachings, they continue to unequivocally support the Church with their tithing, attendance, and proselytizing. Frankly, the church has always taught that in order to be a faithful and a member in good standing, you had to believe all of the doctrine. You can't pick and choose. In season one of Nathan Out Loud, I spoke with Daniel Carslake about his movie For the Bible Tells Me So, which I strongly recommend watching if you haven't seen it. Recently, Dan released For They Know Not What They Do, which is available to rent or purchase on Apple TV or Amazon Prime. The title alone really resonates with me for some of the reasons I've already mentioned. I would strongly recommend watching it for anyone who feels conflicted between their religion and LGBTQ issues, or anyone who has experienced trauma in the name of religion. Daniel will also be joining me on a future episode of Nathan Out Loud, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss that episode. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Nathan Out Loud. I'm Nathan Trainer. Now let's talk about the marginalization of the LGBTQ community by the Republican Party. While I could probably devote a whole series to the history of anti-LGBT orthodoxy within the GOP, I would like to focus on what's going on today and why voting for any Republican, as musician Casey Musgrove recently said, is an act of violence against the LGBTQ plus community. While the GOP did not draft a new platform for the 2020 presidential election, 
They unanimously adopted the same platform that they drafted in 2016. So what does it have to say about LGBTQ people? Regarding marriage equality, it reads, quote, Our laws and our government's regulations should recognize marriage as a union of one man and one woman. We do not accept the Supreme Court's redefinition of marriage, and we urge its reversal. This is despite the fact that support for marriage equality is at an all-time high, with over two-thirds of Americans supporting it. The GOP's platform supports Trump's efforts to legalize anti-LGBTQ discrimination by reversing the recent Supreme Court ruling that sexual orientation and gender identity are included as protected classes under sex discrimination laws, a ruling that 72% of Americans support. The GOP platform endorses Trump's cruel and wildly unpopular ban on transgender people from serving openly in the military. This ban undermines military readiness and troop cohesion, and over 70% of Americans support the right for all LGBT service members to serve openly. Finally, the GOP platform endorses discrimination against LGBTQ parents, families, students, workers, individuals experiencing homelessness, and customers. The platform reads, quote, We endorse the First Amendment Defense Act, Republican legislation in the House and Senate, which will bar government discrimination against individuals and businesses for acting on the belief that marriage is a union of one man and one woman. The First Amendment Defense Act is a federal version of bills that have been introduced in states across the country that gives people and businesses a license to discriminate. These bills have faced significant backlash from voters and corporations, which is evident in a 2019 poll by the Public Religion Research Institute. It states that a majority, 56% of Americans, said that they oppose allowing a small business owner in their state to refuse the products or services to gay or lesbian people if providing them would violate their religious beliefs. This includes 25% who strongly oppose this policy. Courts have also found these measures unconstitutional and have blocked them from taking effect. These examples do not even scratch the surface of the anti-LGBTQ legislation that the GOP has tried to pass in every level of government. Thankfully, public opinion is on our side, and along with the activism of our community and our allies, we have been able to fight a number of these attacks back. But we cannot be complacent. The moment we do, anti-LGBTQ politicians and religious leaders will be prepared to try again. So we must vote and hold our elected officials accountable. Now, I understand that there are some aspects of the Republican Party platform that can motivate people to identify as or vote for Republicans. Frankly, many of these positions are abstract ideals and are rooted in privilege and supremacy. They do not directly impact the daily lives and decisions that a majority of Republican voters face. In fact, because of their privilege, they may never have to make difficult decisions or experiences that many marginalized people struggle with on a daily basis. Whether it be reproductive freedom, gun violence, the lack of access to quality and affordable health care, food insecurity, poverty, clean water and air, and the list goes on and on. For our community, the anti-LGBTQ rhetoric and ideology of the GOP and most organized religions impacts our daily lives, our freedom, our ability to be productive and contributing members of society, and at times have life or death consequences. 
I don't know why, but I'm still constantly astonished that self-proclaimed Christians continue to support and have committed their devotion to the Trump Republican Party. The constant vitriol, lack of empathy, lies, hypocrisy, disdain for the truth, and the corruption that is so prevalent in the party of Trump, to which all elected Republicans have demonstrated their fealty, is in direct opposition to the teachings of Christ, at least the teachings that I remember from primary and Sunday school. I want to pose a question to conclude this dialogue. Has there ever been a single day in your life that the religion and political party that a majority of your family belongs to and wholeheartedly supports has caused you mental, emotional, or even physical harm? Not a single day? Now imagine that being your whole life. I don't say this to play the victim or for pity or even for an apology. No, I say it as a challenge for everyone to do better because it would break my heart if any of your children had to grow up experiencing the same pain, alienation, and gaslighting. I would like to end this episode with a call to action and urge everyone to vote in the upcoming election. We have to take our country back from the vile, corrupt, and patently treacherous president, Republican-held Senate, and state houses across the country. Please take a couple of minutes right now and go to vote.org to make your plan to vote. Start by confirming that your voter registration information is active and accurate. If you are eligible and want to vote by mail, request your ballot right away. And when you receive it, fill it out, sign it, and get it back in the mail as quickly as possible. You can also vote early. Some states have already started voting. And if you plan on voting on election day, be prepared for long lines. Be sure you are willing and able to do whatever it takes to cast your ballot. Again, go to vote.org right now and make your plan to vote. I know that this is overused, but this is absolutely the most consequential election in recent history. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Nathan Out Loud. If you have any feedback, would like to share your story, or just want to say hello, email me at comments at nathanoutloud.com or call the Nathan Out Loud listener line at 802-32-BE-OUT. That's 802-322-3688. You can also follow me on Twitter at Nathan Out Loud and on Facebook at facebook.com slash nathanoutloudfans. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll talk to you soon on the next episode of Nathan Out Loud. And until then, come out, be out, live out loud.